Hallelujah. We're going to wrap up the book of Revelation. And what we've been doing each week is we've been taking this, uh, rather than this, this small, uh, intricate detail approach, we're taking this uh, zoom out approach where we said, like in the very first week, we said we wanted to see this like an impressionist painting where you can't tell what it is when you're up close, so you step back and you can see the full picture. And that's what we're doing with the book of Revelation. We've stepped back and looked at the large picture so that now when you go back through there, you can, you can understand, uh, maybe now start digging out the intricacies as you have the overall picture. And that's the overall picture is that, that Jesus wins. He wins. And uh, he is victorious. And because he's victorious, all that know him are victorious as well. And then the second thing we've learned, I think, overall is not only that Jesus wins and is victorious, but he's in absolute control of everything. He's, he's above antinomy, we said. He's above. Man thinks it's on a course. Uh, the Satan thinks he's on a course. The beast and false prophet think they're on a course, and they are. But Jesus overrides everything, and he ends it with, uh, with his plan and his purpose. And, and, and that's to rid the world of all evil. And, uh, and so we're so grateful for that. So uh, uh, if you got your Bibles, you'll be opened up to the last uh, couple of places in the Bible, Revelation 21 and the the start of Revelation 22, and man, I'm going to tell you what, I'm excited about this, but uh, it's also a very difficult uh, thing, honestly, to, uh, to, to preach, because it, it's very, uh, it, it's just, uh, it's impossible to preach, in my opinion, <laughs> it's just, uh, it's something that we haven't seen, let me put on my old grandfather glasses here, and let me say something here, I wanted to read to you. In Revelation 21, out of my Bible, it says the final goal and expectation of the New Testament faith is, is a new, transformed, and redeemed world where Christ abides with his people and righteousness dwells in holy perfection. To erase all traces of sin, there will be a destruction of the earth, the stars, and the galaxies. Heaven and earth will be shattered and will disappear like smoke. The stars will melt and the elements dissolve. The renewed earth will become the dwelling place of both man and God. And all the redeemed, the Bible says, will possess a body like Christ's resurrected body. One that is real, visible, tangible, but incorruptible and immortal. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. It's going to be glorious, this place that we're going to, uh, that, that where God has a, a new heaven and a new earth, where there is no more sin, where there is no more defilement, there is no more of this, and uh, God will take us, uh, he'll take care of us like a, a, like a husband does her bride. It, it's going to be glorious. That's why he says he's going to be our bridegroom, Jesus Christ is. He's going to take care of us there, and we're going to see in this city how he's going to, he's got every Everything. He's got everything that we need to take care of us. He's got, he's got a river that flows right there that, that is teeming with life. In the old cities when John was having this written, you would have had to have water. If they cut off water, you remember Hezekiah's tunnels where he had to get water through? If you didn't have water and the city was cut off from water, you could forget it. You're going to die. We see this beautiful river that comes out of the throne there forever. And, and it just comes out. And on the sides we see these beautiful trees that are for the healing of the nations and all the provision, all the food is provided, all the security is provided, all the comfort is provided, all the relationships are right. Our husband, uh, so to say, has created a beautiful place for his bride. Amen? And it's going to be glorious. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so if, you, if you'll just bear with me, we're going to read through Revelation uh, 21, and we're going to just read this, and then we're going to look at it, and we're going to get excited about our future home, our future home, amen? This is not your home, Christianity. We've, we've done a disservice in the last few years. I was thinking about uh, uh, songs that we used to sing, John, how beautiful heaven must be. 
Amen. And we used to sing things like when we all get to heaven. And we used to sing, John Saul, Jasper Walls. My oh my, what a city. And we, and, and just, we, didn't, we didn't want to build a home here. We didn't want to build a perfect kingdom here without God. No, we, we knew this one was reserved for fire. And we sung and we longed for a place. We didn't say, oh man, God don't come first. Let me get married first. Oh God don't come first. I want to own a house first. We didn't say those stupid and foolish things. We said, dear God, there is a city whose builder and maker is God. And it's beautiful. And we sung about it. And we longed for it. And we thought about it. And I think that's the problem today of why we're all bored here. Why we don't want to be in church. Because if all you want to do is make your iPhone your world and your family your world and your, your little stick $200,000 house your world and your little car your world, then it's a sad, sad, boring world. But if you want to lift your eyes off of this world that we're in right now and see into the future how glorious it's going to cause you to say, hey, you can have this world. Give me Jesus and give me what's waiting for me in eternity. And so we got to get back to saying, you know what? There's going to be a matter lit to this world. You know what? This world is reserved for fire. Everything in this world is going to fall apart. The governments, the kingdoms, everything. And it's like, a, like sinking sand. And God is going to re, 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 renew the heavens and the earth. And that's where it's going to be glorious. That's the world that we're going to live in. That's where you need to put stakes in. That's where you need to put treasure in. That's where you want a home eternal. That's where you want things eternal. And so we got to get our eyes on the eternal things and when we get our eyes on the eternal things that will cause us to stop sinning so much that will cause us to start longing for Jesus and stop being so miserable and pathetic and defeated so today we're going to look at the new creation and this home that we're living in right now is temporary Please understand that. Quit trying to build something eternal right here. It's, this is temporary. It's all temporary. Enjoy it, but it's temporary. These marriages are temporary. My family, the way it is today, is temporary. I got a bigger family than just, just four and no more. I got a huge family. I got a glorious family in eternity, the children and the people of God. I got something better than the transportation that I have now in the house. I got, we, got, we got nations and things that we can explore and do and it's going to be glorious. So let's look at this. Revelation 21 and 1. Then listen to what John says. Then I saw a new heaven and the new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard with a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. And He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. I know we're trying to accomplish that here, but it ain't going to happen. In that day, death will be no more. Please understand where the story is. We're losing a lot of people in Christianity today because they don't understand where the story is. In this world, you will have tribulation. In this world, you will have pain. In this world, you will have suffering. In this world, you will experience loss. But where we're heading is to a world where it will be no more. If you're looking for that now, that's why you're hopeless. That's why you're depressed. That's why you're taking pills. That's why you want to commit suicide. Because you don't understand where we are in the story. Amen? And so he says, he will be our God and we will be his people. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more and neither shall there be any more mourning. There won't be any more crying. There won't be any more pain. For the former things have passed away. Those haven't passed away yet, folks. Tomorrow we may experience some pain. Tomorrow we may experience some difficulty. But hold on. And he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. You can take them to the bank. You can believe them. And he said, said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without 
payment. I love that. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God. He will be my son. But as for the cowardly and the faithless and the detestable, as for the murderers, as for the sexual immoral, immoral, as for the sorcerers, as for the idolaters, all the liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the last seven plagues it spake to me and said come I will show you the bride the wife of the lamb and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God having the glory of God its radiance was like most rare jewel like a jasper clear as crystal it had a great high wall it had twelve gates at the gates twelve angels and on the gates the name names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, and on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates, and the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spake with me had a measuring rod of, uh, of, of uh, uh, gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. And the city lies four square. It's linked the same as its width. And he measured the city with its rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length with the width and the height are equal. He also measured its wall 144 cubits by human measurements, which is also the angels and angels measurements. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall and the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second was sapphire, the third was agate, the fourth was emerald. The fifth was onyx. The sixth was cornelia. The seventh was chrysolite. The eighth was beryl. The ninth was topaz. The tenth was crystal phrase. The, uh, the eleventh was jacinth. The twelfth was amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each gate's made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in that city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty of the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives the light, and its lamp is the Lamb. But its light will be the, uh, will, will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And the gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter into it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation 22 and 1, then the angel showed me a river of water of life bright and crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city also on either side of the river the tree of life with its twelve fruit kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations and no longer will there be anything accursed there but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it and his servants who worship him and they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more there in that particular city. They will need no light nor lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever and ever. That's your home. That kind of makes 113 Howard Street look like a dump. Now, the idea is that God has been judging the world, and we've been talking about that for weeks upon weeks upon weeks, about God judging evil in the world and cleansing the world of evil. And he goes through this, this, this not out of control God, but this uh, powerful God who has a plan and he carries it out perfectly. And he's completely controlled. And he keeps ramping it up as he's trying to get mankind to repent and to turn to him and to come to him. And he keeps just taking a, just a, third, a fourth, a third, a, a total. And he just keeps getting, getting stronger and stronger until his full wrath is poured out upon evil and until he has taken all of evil and cast it now into the lake of fire. And we saw that great white throne judgment last week where he took and judged all wickedness 
all evil and everything fled away. And one thing we found out about mankind is that mankind, even after they had been in a perfect thousand-year millennial reign, they still, by nature, if they're not redeemed, if you're not born again, you are carnal and you are, you are, you are a pig that returns back to its, uh, it just returns back to its vomit and, its, and its mud, a dog returning back to its vomit. We just absolutely, he lets humankind be in a perfect environment and then immediately unleashes Satan again to go out and deceive the nations. And after being in a perfect world, humankind shows their true color. They're guilty before God. They are guilty. They have fallen short. You ain't all that. You are guilty as charged and you need repentance and you need a Savior. Amen? That's the bottom line. We are all guilty before God. He's going to stop every mouth. There is no one righteous. No, not one. And some of you that bothers to the core because you just can't admit what you are. You are a sinner apart from God. You can't be saved unless you recognize that. For years I thought, I'm not that bad of a person. And it's like Fonzie of saying, forgive me. And for a long time I couldn't say, God, I'm a sinner. Because I was afraid if I said I'm a sinner and as bad as I am, that I'm as vile as Hitler, I was afraid he wouldn't have me. But the day he showed me I'm as vile as Hitler... <laughs> and he stopped my mouth. And the day I knew what I was was the day I cried out for real salvation. The day I knew I was depraved, Harlan. And I needed fixing. And I couldn't fix myself because I'd tried to do it. And only one could fix me. And his name is Jesus. And he took out a stony heart and placed in me a new heart and a new mind and a new spirit. And he calls me to walk in new ways. And he calls me to keep his commandments. And he calls me to, 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 to be a new creation in Jesus Christ. And anytime I get my eyes off the cross and back on me, I fail every time. Anytime I get back on myself, it's, it's, it's by, anytime I get back on the law, I'll keep the law. I'll do it. I don't need you anymore, Holy Spirit. I don't need you anymore, Jesus. Every time I fall, 100% Jesus. All the time, man. I need Him for everything. I need Him to breathe. I need Him to tie my shoe. I need Him to do everything and to keep me and to present me faultless before the throne of grace. I'm not going in there with any merit from Brad Lindsay. I'm not going in there with any baptismal waters. I'm not going there with any sermon or any great things that I've done. It's Jesus and Jesus only. Amen. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes whiter than snow. Amen. And so in verse 8, it tells us that there's certain people that won't enter. Look at what he says. But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, the liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. He tells us he's making and creating something new, a new heaven and a new earth. And he says, these people will not be there. I can't have them there. I have to rid the world of evil. And so he tells us that he's judged and cleansed the world of everything that is evil, evil so that now he's, we're able to enjoy new creation as it was intended to be enjoyed in a place where it's absolutely glorious absolutely phenomenal he calls it a place where there's no more death he says there's no more mourning he says that all will be right he says there'll be no more sea in other words there's all kind of things you can go out there and study on that but they had the idea of disorder there'll be no more disorder there'll be no more chaos it's going to be a place where uh, that he's going to cause his anything that would cause his children not to enjoy the new creation or Him fully will be removed. Anything that would cause us not to enjoy God fully, He will remove. Anything that would cause us not to enjoy this new world fully, He will remove, the Bible says. So He's getting rid of anything that would, that would hinder that. And, and, and you're going to see words like uh, permanence. You're going to see words like eternality all through this. Like and as, because He's telling us something about your new home. He's telling you that He's removing everything 
everything that is not permanent, everything that is in disorder, everything that is chaos, everything that's not eternal. And he's bringing about order. He's bringing about goodness. He's bringing about life. He's bringing about relationships. And he wants all the followers of Jesus Christ to understand what our new home is going to be like. Now, I believe, as I said, I think we struggle as believers with the ongoing battle of sin and our relationship with God because we don't think about heaven enough. We don't. We don't think about heaven. We don't talk about it. We don't tell our children about it. We don't, we don't, I don't hear much talk about it. Don't hear a lot of people saying, I want to go there. I do now more that the world's getting more chaotic and worse. But you just don't hear a lot about heaven. We don't have a lot of it in our songs. We don't, have, we don't preach a lot about it. And, and, and uh, we, we, we used to talk about it, long for it, think about it. And, and I believe that's why there's so much sin. I believe that's why there's so much depression. I believe that's, that's why nobody's excited about God because they look at the world around them and it seems like a pit, it seems like a dump, it seems like sin is taking over and we're all discouraged and we're all run down because we think this is it and your faces are all long and you barely pull yourself in here. You need to lift your eyes up a little bit higher and see that there's something better. Amen? That this is temporal. That this isn't going to last long. The pain, the suffering, all that's going to be worth it. It pales in comparison with what God has in store for us. So, so here he begins to talk to us. And it appears that he's, he's pointing forward. But in reality, he's not just pointing forward. But he's actually pointing backwards. And I'm not going to list all these because I've been preaching long every week. And, and, and I'm not going to list all these out. But if you'll come to me, people have been coming to me afterwards. And I'm going to tell you what. He's pointing back to Isaiah. Isaiah, a lot, a lot. And if you want to know what heaven is like and what this future new creation is going to be like, you need to get in the book of Isaiah because he's pointing back a lot in these scriptures and just taking you to what has already been told by the prophets and and by people that have already told us about it. And so he points there a lot. For instance, Revelation 21.2, it says, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared and adorned. Adorned as uh, for her husband, and he's quoting Isaiah 52. He talks about this new city coming. He talks about a city in Isaiah 62 named Jerusalem. He talks about this idea from the Old Testament about that we're no longer kept, held in captivity in this place. That that's the mentality they had. That thank God we're no longer we're in a place now where that ongoing battle with sin has finally met its match, and finally it's over. We're no longer Daniel in captivity, that old anger, that old, that old, uh, that old uh, sexual lust, all those things that, that have held people captive, all those things that victory and then you go back and victory and then you go back, that lying tongue, that, 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 that unforgiveness, all these things, we're going to a place where we're no longer held captive, where, where sin will no longer be a problem and we will be in the very presence of God. Amen. What a place it's going to be. And it talks about in verse 15 this idea of measurement. And we said measurement sometimes has an idea of ownership. Sometimes a destruction and judgment here, ownership. It talks about this mountain. And it talks about how God's going to have this high mountain. And everybody's going to see the new Jerusalem. Everybody's going to see this beautiful place. It's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be breathtaking. It's kind of like one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my life was this. uh, And God's given me the privilege of being in a lot of beautiful places, uh, for instance. It's Colorado, snow skiing, that sort of thing. The Rocky Mountain, just unbelievably gorgeous to get up on the top of the mountain and just look out at God's creation. But one place we went to on a recent vacation was to Arizona. And we went to this place called the Inner Basin. And when we got to this place, we almost didn't go. And I'm so grateful that we went because I saw pictures of it. And we, and, and, and we thought it was closed, but we persevered. And when you got to this place, we rode up this mountain, felt like we were going to fall off of a cliff, didn't it? And then we were on this mountain and all this stuff going up, and it's already beautiful looking out over that expanse. But when you come up to the top, it opens up into this meadow that is just absolutely yellow and just 
unbelievably gorgeous with aspen trees. It's the, it was the most beautiful place that I've seen. Uh, it just uh, like a Hallmark movie, just, just unbelievably gorgeous. And that's what John is trying to do for us here. He's trying to just paint a picture of your new home and just to say, it's amazing. It's absolutely gorgeous. Your eyes, you're not going to believe it, how incredible your home is. There's no gates there that, that, are, that are shut. It's open all the time for everybody. It's like God has been beckoning His people always. And now He beckons them and they come from every tribe, language, tongue, nation, yellow, black, red, white, all people. There's an invitation to everybody to come. And it's breathtaking and it's absolutely gorgeous. And He keeps conveying to us that it's for all people. It's for all people. No, I know we're so bored and I know we're so into us. No, you don't know what a privilege it is for God Almighty to let you into His world. I know you think you're all that now in a, in a bag of chips, but we're not. He's all that in a bag of chips. And you better thank God He would even give you a second of His time. A second of His time. Even a second of His time. You think you could get King Charles's time today? Or you got a God who's saying, I'm beckoning you to come. I'm begging you, world, to come to me. And I will in no wise cast you out. And yet you still won't come to the King of kings and Lord of lords. (gasps) What time's he going to get through? Make fun of me for preaching for an hour about God. About heaven. About the King of kings and the Lord of lords. About the greatest place on the face of the earth. Oh, I wish we could go play PlayStation. Dear God, you haven't seen it. I gotta go make some money. I gotta go fix the gutter on my house. Gotta go binge watch Netflix. Everybody has access to God. It's your home. It's your home for goodness sake. Marcy and I bought our first home. That lady back there, Cindy's dad, sold us our first home. Kind of the first time you get a sense of really what home. And you get taken to so many homes, several homes. And you walk in and some of them, Cindy, man... You think, thank God this ain't going to be my home. Right? But then you walk into one all of a sudden, you say, and your wife usually does something like this. Oh, honey, we could come over here. We could put the couch here. We could hang that picture here. We We could roll that rug out here. And all of a sudden, it just feels like home. And that's what John is trying to get us to the place where he's showing us our home and he's trying to get us to say the spiritual furniture. Oh man, we could ju- I could put this here. I could put that there. I could do this and I could do that. And folks, it ought to get us excited about the place where we are going to live. It ought to cause you to dream about the city where we're going and the home where we're going to live. And folks, it's going to be absolutely marvelous and incredible. Amen. Hallelujah. It ought to cause you to dream. That's what John is trying to do. And some of you think it's too impossible. Or you feel shame like you shouldn't even enjoy having something nice in heaven when God's wanting to do something nice for you. Start dreaming. He's inviting us into this house. And he uses words like like and as to help us understand that it's beautiful. Not only beautiful, but he tells us it's safe. It's absolutely safe. Verse 19, he starts talking about the foundations. And he starts telling us they're made not of, not of wood and dirt that crumbles and clay and all these things. No, it's made of precious stones. It's, it's absolutely solid. Twelve layers of foundation. They're absolutely amazing. It's safe. Isaiah is quoting Isaiah 54 in this particular context. No longer would they be afflicted. They're no longer going to be afflicted in this city. Can you imagine a day when we have no more enemies against Christianity? When we have no enemies against us, but we finally are in a day and a time where we are no longer afflicted? It is a safe environment. It is a safe place to live. It's not like uh, Memphis where you got to worry about taking a jog. If you're a lady, no. It's an absolute 
absolutely safe environment, a safe place, free of affliction. The foundations, the gates, everything are safe. And God, when we arrive, it's our home and He never shuts you out. He never shuts the gates again. It's absolutely, and in this part, I don't think this necessarily means this is there's a new heaven and a new earth. I don't think this necessarily means the I don't know yet, but 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 in this place right there, we know it may be everywhere, there'll be no more night there. In this city, in this city, there won't because because the Bible says uh, it's 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 just uh, that 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 God is there and will be the light and reign forever. It's speaking two concepts that He's laying out: security and permanence. This place is secure. This home is secure. It's permanent. It's it, it, it's here. Everything is temporal. Here, a hurricane could come and take it away. Here, the 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 uh, uh, tornado could come. Here, a fire could get it. All kinds kinds of things, but it's under the, 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 the banner. Of the, the, I heard a guy that he was talking about, and I remember this. He said when he got to his new home, he said he remembered looking at a picture, and he was, he was thinking about putting a, a, a nail in the wall, and they've been renting, and he said whatever he put in the wall as a renter, he had to replace, and his wife said, honey, it's yours. Put a hole in the wall. It doesn't matter anymore, and he's like, dunk. It's yours. And that's what God's saying here. It's not a rental. It's permanent. It's your home. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Get comfortable there. That's what he's saying. Be comfortable in it. Get comfortable. It's not like you're renting it. It's not impermanent. It's, It's there for you to enjoy forever. Listen to what he says in Revelation 21 and 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and be, uh, the, and they will be His people and God Himself will be with them as their God and He will wipe away every tear from their eye and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning or crying or pain for the former things have passed away. He's going back to Zechariah 2 where he's trying to help them understand God is developing this place of personal communion with us. It's a perfect communion with us. We don't need a temple there anymore. They are the temple because what was the temple? A temple was a place where sinful man could come and do all kind of things so they might could get a high priest in there to approach God. He says, you don't need that anymore. I will commune with you. I will be your God and you will be my people. There's no temple needed. We will speak face to face. I'll be your God. I'll embrace you. I'll love you. I'll be there. You won't need that anymore and we will be there as I always wanted to be with humanity and he's going to be compassionate where he wipes every tear away from our eyes he, there'll be no more tears coming remember falling you remember when you were little and you ran and you fall and you scrape your knees and you want to get up and who do you want to run to I wish it was daddy but usually bypass daddy and went right to mama's arms says mama began to nurture and hold that, that child and they would stop crying and that's what it's like here is that when we fall down or when we have this sense like that we, we run right here to the arms of God and we're comforted and everything's made right here and so all this with John's like an escalator moving to God moving closer and closer and closer to everlasting happiness everlasting joy everlasting celebration teeming with life it's lively. Isaiah 35.10 talks about joy and celebration. Isaiah 51.11. It, it, Isaiah 65 and 19. The old life is gone. There's no more pain. There's no more heartache. There's no more loss. Revelation 21, 22 and 23. He wants us to know that it's a quote from Isaiah 60. That literally the glory means you are going to, in essence, be in the very presence of God. No, I'm not talking about I felt the presence today for a few seconds in the service. No, you are going to live in the presence of God, the fullness of the presence of God, always. Yeah, you won't have any trouble singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Because you're going to be there and you're going to feel it and it's going to demand it. It's going to draw it out of you. Verse 3 tells us the curse is gone. 
That curse that started way back in Genesis is gone there. It's no longer there. God is getting rid of the curse and there will be no more Satan. There will be no no more death. No battling of our environment. No more pain. No more broken or strained human relationships. We're finally going to be able to reflect God's character. It's going to be awesome. That's what His name on our forehead means. We ain't going to act up. We're not going to act the fool. We're not going to act ugly. We're going to finally, once and for all, really, truly have full the character of God in our hearts and lives. Amen? Do you know what that's going to do for our relationships? It ought to be doing it now. We ought to be practicing. Just like, just like Brenda said, we ain't waiting to worship there. We ought not to be waiting on the rest of these things now. There's a Holy Spirit transforming us. We shouldn't be so ugly to each other. We shouldn't be so ugly like the world. We should be getting sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. We should be losing our rights. We should be living for the King and not for us. Everything should be filtered through this book and you should be bowing your heart and your knee to it whether you like it or not. And everything in this new place is going to be teeming with life, full of cooperative activity. Can you imagine it? Everything. No one is bombing anybody. Russia is not bombing Ukraine. America is not doing this and that. Everything is set right and everything is worshiping God. Hallelujah. And I got good news for Brenda who loves to sing and loves to worship. But she knows this as well. But I got news for some of you who don't like songs. Because worship is more than a song. Because some of you are thinking... Oh, Lord, you mean we're going to do that forever? Well, that excites some of you. For some others, it says, oh, my goodness. You mean I got to do that forever? It's just a church service forever for after the first hundred years, thousand years, billion years, trillion years. Want to get bored? I mean, let's be real. But see, worship is much bigger than singing and it's much bigger than cartoons of people sitting on a cloud playing a harp. (laughs) Revelation 21, 24, it says, it it tells us about how people and the kings of all the the earth, are. uh, these people are going to come into the city and bring glory and honor to the nations. It, It goes on to speak of commerce and culture. Kings of the earth. They're going to be nations. Kings of the earth are going to come. There's going to be kings. Do you understand? This place is not just going to be a boring place where we're just going to sit around forever. It's going to, there's going to be commerce. There's going to be a culture going on. It's going to be amazing. It's kind of like a little girl I heard a preacher talking about his little girl. And he talked about how she went out and she planted a garden. And she came in one day and she said, Daddy, 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 you got to come out here. you got to see this. And she came out and she said, Look. It is like this little sproutling. She said, carrots, carrots. And he said, wow. And he said, what is this? And she said, snap peas. And what is that? And she began to tell him what all it is. And it's as though God has cleared the evil out of everything. He's created this new world and he's created a blank canvas. And now he said, my humanity, my creation, go out and do it. Go out and do some beautiful things. And it's like we're coming like the little girl and saying, hey, look what we did. Look what we did. Look what we planted. Carrots over there and this over there and that over there. And we built a new building and we did this. And he's going to say, wow, great job. That ought to excite you, man. Golly. And nations and kings are going to bring things to God for final approval. Come see this. They're going to, they're going to work. There's going to be work. I know that's going to bust a lot of people's bubbles, but it's not going to be like, there's going to be work. There's going to be social gatherings. Oh, it's going to be phenomenal, and everything's just going to click into place, and it's going to be all worship for the king. Presence in the king, all worship for the king. I mean, you're going to be worshiping him in your job. You're going to be worshiping him in the commerce. You're going to be worshiping as a governor, as a king. There's going to be politics there. Yes, but I got news, you won't vote. Kings are going to come. Nations are going to come. 
Rulers over cities are going to come. Teaching going on. Oh, folks, it's going to be glorious. All the work, all the social gathers will finally click and we will be worshiping God correctly and as it should be. And, and listen, yes, and for all the, all the prudes in here, and God is going to let us have fun. No, all the stuffy people. I hope you let your hair down the first billion years. Me, I'm one of those. We're going to have fun. God created fun. See, the reason a lot of you can't enjoy heaven is because you think only sin can you have fun. The sin brought in all the fun. Sin didn't bring out all the fun. God is the author of fun. And we're going to have fun in that place. We're going to laugh. We're going to rejoice. We're going to spend time together. We're going to learn. It's going to be, we're going to be fruitful and multiply and subdue. He created a world to be enjoyed. We are going, he's going to say, go learn, go enjoy, go do things, go laugh, go have pleasure. If you've never known it before. And we're going to be in His presence fully and enjoying life. And it's not an ethereal uh, existence. It is a reality. It's a physical place and thing that you can touch and people will be set over areas and we'll engage in these things and we'll expand things and we'll put energy into things and we will even create things and we will work together as people should work together not apart and not fighting we will work together in governments we will work together in in businesses we will work together in all of these places and in all of these things and we will glorify the king of kings and the lord of lords with it and we'll do that in the new creation and it will be absolutely phenomenal and we will be glad when somebody else succeed we won't be jealous like there's some much stinking putrid jealousy when somebody does something now and we get jealous and you can see it all over your face and all over your heart and there won't be any of that no we will be actually glad man we will be glad for somebody else when they accomplish something we will rejoice with somebody else when they do something amazing and we will we will we will not be envious we will we will we will we will know that it's actually awesome it'd be like when you saw kind of like back in the 80s when I used to be, man, I loved the space program. And when they took up the, uh, uh, the, the shuttle for the first time, and man, my heart just swells with pride like I, like I had something to do with it. But I actually, you know, I'm rooting them on, kind of like I do football, like I'm on the team or something. But, uh, but, but, but I realized I didn't help them do anything, but I'm in awe of what they did. And I'm happy for what they did. And it's amazing. And that's how it's going to be in this time. Is that when we see people, we're going to do something that's going to be amazing. There will be politics. There will be kings. There will be people. There will, there will be music. There will be art. There will be dance. There will be drama. There will be stories. There will be sports. There will be agriculture. There will be science. And we will finally enjoy creation as it was intended to be. Isaiah 65 says they, they will build houses and buildings. And we won't use 10% of our brain. Like scientists say, we only use 10% of our brains. We'll use all of our brains. Amen? And all the women said amen about their husbands. We'll be growing. We'll be learning. We'll be developing. We'll be exploring new things. There'll be no risk. Oh, there'll be no more bucket list. You'll have forever. To do new and great and amazing and exciting things. No bucket list to have to do. It will just be absolutely phenomenal. And one of the most important things that he is doing is creating relationships. Relationships. He didn't create this for us to enjoy by ourselves. No, you're not created to be born again and then live by yourself and, and hate people. And not be around people. If that's you, you need to be running to the altar. You ought to be the first in the altar here or on your face at home trying to get over that. And say, God, fill me with the love of God until I love people like you love people. It's a city with people. It's a city where we serve people. It's a city where we love people. It's a city where we dance and laugh and cut up and have fun. It's amazing. It's not to be by ourselves, but it's to be enjoyed. We are going to build authentic, 
deep and meaningful relationships. We won't be fearful of people. We won't be worried about what people think. We won't be worrying if somebody's one-upping us in the storytelling competition. We won't be worried about being taken advantage of. We won't be worried about loss, but we'll finally enjoy people as God intended it to be. Millions and millions and millions and billions of people there, and the stories will go on forever, new and exciting and fun and amazing forever and ever. And John is saying, I want you to start to dream about where you are going. I want you to ponder it. I want Scripture to drive your imagination. Not to where you go outside of Scripture, but to let it drive your imagination in Scripture. And to ponder and to dream. And he's writing to a people that are struggling to find contentment in the future reality like we are today. And he says in Revelation 21.9, and I'm going to close in a minute. Come, and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away to the Spirit, to a great high mountain. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like most rare jewel, like jasper, clear and crystal. And he's saying, look at it, concentrate on it, enjoy it. And then he says, contrast it previously with what I preach with another world. Because if you don't do this, if you don't look at it, if you don't enjoy it, if you don't contrast it, contrast it with this other world. And if you look at this other world, she's going to suck you in. And that's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Revelation 17. Look, what did he say? What did he say in 21.9b? Come and I will show you the bride. What does he show you in Revelation 17? One, come and I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute. Which one are you watching? You got your eyes on the world? Or you got your eyes on eternity? Because what he's saying is if you don't have your eyes on eternity and you got your eyes on the world, she's going to suck you in and she is going to allure you with all of her delicacies. She, she, uh, she, the bride over here is permanent. The lamb's wife, this one is temporal, and he begins, she begins to allure you, this prostitute, with purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls. This is when you don't have a heaven perspective. All those things start to look really good. This is where we've been living in America. It's called the American dream. And everybody, we pelted it to the whole world. And I'm going to tell you, and everybody's after it. They're after the stuff. Give me stuff. Because they don't have anything greater. They're not looking into eternity. They just won't give me my stuff. And she's a luring them now with all of these things purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls holding in her hand a golden cup full of admonitions and impurities and sexual immorality and her forehead was written a name mystery Babylon the great the mother of prostitutes the abominations of the earth if you fall in love with this world she will trap you it's like when I got engaged to that woman right there and I could not wait. I mean, we did it so fast so that I didn't have to wait. <laughs> we made the time short. And I couldn't wait. And I can remember it in my mind. At the Botanical Gardens when her dad, when she entered, I really don't know what her dad looked like. I'm kidding. But I know what she looked like. Beautiful. And it's stuck in my mind so that when any other allurement tries to take me away, I can go right back up and pull that up and say, that's better than this. Yeah. And that's what John is doing right here. He's saying, look here because this is better than what this whore has for you. You've got to keep your eyes on heaven. I close with this. John's saying, think about your future. So we, we close this study with saying, think about your future. John Piper preached a message one time, and here's what some of the words he wrote in a message as he finished. He wrote about a man named Richard Baxter back in the 1600s. 
And here's what he said. He said, Richard Baxter was a very effective pastor in England in the 1600s. His whole adult life was spent battling one sickness after the other. He was harassed by constant cough, frequent nosebleeds, migraine headaches, digestive ailments, kidney stones, gallstones. He believed in supernatural healing and said several times he was restored to fruitful labor because of God's direct intervention. He said once a cancerous looking tumor in his throat vanished while he was in the pulpit testifying of God's mercies in his own life. Yet bodily suffering was with him to the end. And he once said uh, that from the age of 21 he was seldom free from an hour of pain. One, one of the side effects of this suffering was to make him intensely conscious of how temporary his life is and how inevitable death is. Once when he was 35, he was bedbound by one of his diseases and thought he would probably not recover. He began to meditate on the joys of heaven and, at the, and, and, and the age to come in preparation for leaving this world. He focused especially on the hope of glory and he began to write his thoughts. To his surprise, he recovered and his thoughts became a book entitled, The Saint's Everlasting Rest. He took up the practice of meditating on heaven half an hour each day because of the powerful impact it had on his life. He commended the same thing to his readers. He said, if you would have light and heat, why are you not more in the sunshine? For what of this resource of heaven, your soul is as a lamp not lighted because you ain't going there and learning about it, and your duty as a sacrifice without fire. Fetch one coal daily from the altar, he says, and see if your offering will not burn. Keep close to this reviving fire and see if your affections will not burn. Brookside Church of God, if you want to burn for Jesus... We need to know that our home is not here. And one of the ways to get revival fires burning is to see that place and to contemplate that place and to meditate on that place where Jesus wins, where the plan of God is perfectly carried out and where we have a home that is awaiting us soon and very soon we're going to see the King. And it's going to be worth the wait. It's going to be worth everything we endure. So keep close to this reviving fire and see if your affections will not be warmed dear father in heaven warm our affections with this glorious truth and reality of heaven dear God what a glorious study what a glorious big picture of this amazing revelation from Jesus Christ what a glorious way it ends, God, with all that we've seen of all the, all the things coming against God. Finally, now all of evil taken care of. And nothing, nothing, God, heaven and earth being remade. And God, nothing defiling that city. And God, what a glorious city it is. What a glorious home. I mean, we can barely even imagine it, but it's glorious. It's like those homes that we've walked into and we say... Ah, this could be home. This is amazing. Our couch could be there. This, Lord, when I read what John wrote, I'm thinking, I want to live there forever. I want to live there forever. I can deal with this. This is glorious. Hallelujah. And so, Lord, we thank you. And obviously, we know the best part of it is you. Oh, God, we thank you that you'll be with us there. And we will love you forever, God. And if there's one out there that hasn't made you Lord of their lives, if they haven't decided, God, that it's worth leaving everything in this world and embracing you, embracing eternity, God, let convince them of that. I can't convince them. Let the Holy Spirit convince them of that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.